May we never lose the wonder, the wonder of God's mercy. Why is that so important? Well, first of all, it keeps our hearts engaged with God as we are, are just struck afresh with His mercies that are new every morning toward us. But the other reason we need to keep the wonder of God's mercy alive in our hearts is because as we experience mercy, we then run into people who need mercy And as those who have experienced mercy in our own need for mercy, we then express mercy. And we're going to talk about one expression of mercy through our lives and through our congregation this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24. We're continuing our series through this book of wisdom. We're calling this series A Time for Wisdom. And this morning's emphasis, because of uh, the second Sunday of our United States uh, Ministries emphasis, our, our theme this morning is a time for wisdom in our service. We are called to serve Christ by serving the nations globally and by serving our nation here at home. I'm here to remind us all this morning that the only way to reclaim America is through the means of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the other means will fall short. The only hope for our country is the only hope for all the nations, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for that. On September 7th, 1813, the United States received a new nickname. It was the War of 1812. The United States Army needed supplies. They desperately needed food to keep up the soldiers' strength and their stamina. There was a cattle rancher by the name of Samuel Wilson. And he decided that he was going to barrel up beef for the troops during the War of 1812. In order to make sure that everybody knew not to mess with it, that everybody knew it had to get to the troops, he stamped the abbreviation of our country on the barrels, U period, S period. The soldiers learned that Samuel Wilson was the one who provided their food and helped them maintain their strength during the fighting. And they decided that they were going to interpret U.S. differently. They decided they were going to interpret U.S. with Uncle Sam, Samuel Wilson, Uncle Sam. Well, it caught on. And over the years, the U.S. government became personified as Uncle Sam. True story. Now, when it comes to uh, urging people to serve our country, this poster came out 100 years later. Uncle Sam was given a face. And this was the poster for trying to encourage, motivate, and inspire people to fight for our country during World War I. And then during World War II, the poster was used where the poster word says, I want you. Well, we too are in a war, and this war is for our country. It is for our nation. 
as we are called by Jesus, who says to every single one of us individually and every single one of us corporately as a church, I want you to serve your country by serving me, by bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of the states of our federal republic. Now, there are three areas we talked about where Christ is saying, I want you to serve and to give. Put up that pie chart that we've seen before. The three areas of U.S. missions, campus ministries, church planting and city initiatives, and mercy and discipleship. These are the areas of United States ministries. And as we both support these ministries and even take advantage of being mobilized through this church to actually work in these areas, we will see life by life men, women, and children of our nation be claimed for Christ. And that will change our nation. Let's all stand out of reverence for God's word and follow along as I read Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12. This is God's word. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us. He loves our country. And though there are many ways to serve our nation through the armed forces and other ways, the greatest way we can serve our nation is to listen to Jesus as he says, I want you to be enlisted for the spiritual health of your country. Let's pray. God, we do want to see revival in our nation. But God, it begins with revival in our own hearts and in this church. So Holy Spirit, come, anoint these words and anoint the hearers of these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So three ways we serve Christ that ends up serving our country. We're going to talk about delivering souls, discipling hearts, and defending lives with our time, talent, and treasure. First of all, serve your country by delivering souls. Look at verse 11 again of chapter 24. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. The picture here is of a death march. Think of something atrocious like the death marches of the Jews under the hands of the Nazis. And the, and the proverb is talking about all of the people of the universe, all of the people in America. It foresees the nation of America coming to existence. And it's saying everybody outside of Christ is on a forced death march. And we are to break in to enemy territory. 
And we are to rescue those people from the death march. Look, we ourselves, if we know Christ, we have been rescued from the death march. I lived 21 years of my life not understanding that I was in the death march. And somebody came to me and shared the gospel with me, and they served our country by delivering my soul from death through the gospel. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, the way we're delivered from the death march is by acknowledging that we are sinners, that we are helpless before the holy God, creator of the universe. And God provided Jesus Christ to live a life that we couldn't live and to die a substitutionary death for us, to pay a debt we could never pay. And if we transfer our trust from ourselves and our own efforts of righteousness and rest upon the righteousness of Christ alone and his death to forgive our sins, we will receive eternal life. But it's not enough just for you and I to be delivered from death. We need then to go out and deliver other souls from death. And the good news, although I'm not leaving you off the hook here with personal outreach and evangelism, the good news is that when you give to Jesus Christ in your generosity through Oak Mountain, we have a whole line of ministries that we support that are delivering souls from death that are rescuing people from the death march. And so one of the ways we obey the call to rescue the souls is by giving generously to the ministry of Oak Mountain. Then look at the second half of the verse. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Uh, the idea is, is, is a drunkard stumbling over himself, and he's heading toward the end of a cliff. And you need to grab him and hold him back from the cliff. Maybe a more contemporary illustration would be some drunk or somebody on drugs that is about ready to head into a busy interchange and were to run and grab them and hold them back. God calls us individually to be involved in personal evangelism. Remember our mission? Engaging every neighbor with the surprising power of grace. Over the fence of our backyard, over the mountain, into the city, over the pew to people around us. Don't assume everybody in this place right now knows Jesus. And listen, I'm not going to be offended if someone doesn't know me and they come up and say, hey, do you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you know where you'd go tonight if you died? If you're a Christian, you're not going to possibly be upset with somebody talking to you about whether or not you know Jesus. So you have nothing to lose. Everybody we run into, we can ask them, if you were to die tonight, are you certain you'd go to heaven? If you were to be at the gates of heaven tonight and God would say to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? You can remember those two questions. And as a result of the answers to those two questions, you are off to the races. You can be involved in delivering souls from death, holding back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. See, a life of wisdom is a lifestyle of witness. Did you hear that? A life of wisdom is a lifestyle of witness. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever captures souls is wise. 
A life of wisdom is a lifestyle of witnessing. At Oak Mountain, we have a logo. I'm going to put it up here for you. Uh, This logo is for Oak Mountain. The O is for Oak Mountain, of course. But if you notice, the O is also a tree because we're Oak Mountain because of all the oaks up behind us. So we are oaks of righteousness, as it says in Isaiah 61. We're oaks of righteousness, not because we're so good, but because Christ makes us righteous. You notice that the trunk is rooted And those roots go out. We're rooted in Christ. We're rooted in the gospel. We're rooted in grace. We're rooted in truth. And then notice there's a break in the O. And that's because we at Oak Mountain acknowledge that we are broken people. We are genuinely new in Christ, but we are not completely new. We still wrestle with brokenness, failure, and sin. But that brokenness allows people in the community to feel like we're a safe place for them to come. And that opening in the O is a conduit for the lost to come in to Jesus. And also it's a door for us to go out and serve Christ. We as a church serve the broken, serve the lost, love the least, and the lost. Daniel 12 says much the same thing. Daniel 12 verse 3, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. A life of wisdom is a lifestyle of witness. And one of the ways you can be confident that you've responded to God in the call to deliver souls from death is to give generously to Jesus through Oak Mountain. Because in your giving, there's a large amount that goes to witnessing and evangelization. We've planted all kinds of churches through Oak Mountain, through your generosity. Red Mountain was the first church we planted. It's still growing strong downtown in the Lakeside District. Phil Chambers, who was our, our missions pastor for a while, when, then went off with a bunch of folks. By the way, we, we planted not just money, we planted people in Red Mountain. We planted money and we planted people. And Phil Chambers planted Christ community in Helena, and it's going strong. We planted Christ, uh, I'm sorry, our Homewood Community Church this, this past year with a bunch of money and a bunch of people. When you give to Jesus through Oak Mountain, a good portion of it goes to these principles that God is giving us in the book of Proverbs that we're to rescue those who are being taken away to death and we're to hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. We also give money to what is called uh, our denominational askings. That means we give certain amounts of money to plant churches around the entire country. We also give uh, a good bit amount to campus ministries. Um, I told the earlier service, I was at a presbytery meeting one time This is our presbytery, which is just the teaching elders, the pastors, and the ruling elders of all the churches in a geographic area. That's our presbytery. That's how we are held accountable. That's how we uh, learn about what's going on around us and have opportunities as a group of churches to plant churches. 
But, but a, a, a person, a representative from a campus ministry was addressing the presbytery. Let's say there's 70, 75 people in our presbytery. And they said, I want a show of hands. How many of you came to Christ in college through a campus ministry? And almost 50% of the hands went up. Almost 50% of the ruling elders and teaching elders in Evangel Presbytery were converted in college through a campus ministry. I am one of those. When you give to Oak Mountain, you give to deliver souls from death. But we're also a church that delivers soul from death, and we're also to be a people that delivers souls from death part of United States ministries. Secondly, serve your country by discipling hearts. It's not enough for us to simply see people come to Christ. We need to establish people in their faith. Listen, this is now the weakness of campus ministries. The weakness of campus ministries is they're not churches. And so we see so many people that graduate from college and all they've been engaged in is a campus ministry. And when they get to a city and hold on a job, they don't get involved in the local church. And a lot of them begin to struggle spiritually. And some struggle for many years. Proverbs 13, verse 14, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Once we've been delivered from the death march, once we've been delivered from the cliff or from the traffic, we need to grow in our faith. We need to grow in our maturity in Christ. We need to be taught that which is wise. And that's discipleship. What's discipleship? Let me give you a real simple definition. It's a biblical, relational, intentional process of helping others grow to maturity in Christ. That's all it is. It's a biblical, relational, intentional process to help others grow to maturity in Christ. The last thing Jesus told his disciples, the last thing he told the church as he was being ascended into heaven is go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, including the nation of America. We are called to be disciples and we are called to make disciples. And we sponsor and support discipleship ministries through United States ministries. So you can know you are obeying this command, this proverb, when you give generously through Oak Mountain. But also we want to equip you to be discipled. And we want to equip you to disciple others. That is what this church is about. Some of the ministries we support are called Foundations. It's a, it's a preschool program in Fairfield that partners with parents and seeks to disciple both them and the children. Campus ministries do not only share their faith, but they also are very good oftentimes uh, with discipleship. Then we actually have discipleship ministries like Gospel Tree Ministries where we go through and help people go through the Gospel Waltz journey. There's Battle for the Heart. There are all kinds of elements out there that we support. When we support seminaries like Birmingham Theological Seminary or Covenant Theological Seminary, we are involved in discipling the future leaders of the church as they're being equipped to be pastors and Christian workers. 
Another area of discipleship is counseling ministries. We support counseling ministries, but we only support those counseling ministries that look at the Christian life the way we do, that have a gospel-centered, grace-driven, Christ-oriented approach to change. So when you support Jesus through Oak Mountain, you are supporting discipleship ministries through trusted Christian counselors who are making a different difference in people's lives. Proverbs 12:25, anxiety is in a man's heart and weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. That's the role of a counselor right there. Anxiety weighs down a person's heart, but a good word, a wise word, a truthful word, a word spoken in love and grace makes him glad. Anxiety weighs us down, a good word cheers us up. And we support those kinds of ministries. Grief care, divorce care, addiction care, mental health, Bibb County Prison, Wellhouse, Urban Avenues. We are, we are involved in all kinds of ministries that help build people up in Christ. Rescue them from the death march and then teach them wisdom in the gospel. Let me just say that... Uh, if we're involved in delivering souls and discipling hearts, there's going to be a lot more unity in the church. You know the dissension that the church has experienced over the past 24 months? Some of it political division. Some of it due to different views of race and ethnicity. Some of it due to COVID. Masks, non-masks, vax, not vaxxed. You know what that tells me? It tells me God's people are bored. It tells me that God's people are not involved in delivering souls from death. It tells me God's people are not involved in discipling hearts. You know why? Because when you're involved in delivering souls from death and discipling hearts, they're bullets whizzing by your face all the time. And guess what? When there are bullets whizzing by your face, you're not that concerned about that person's political view standing next to you because you just know they're a Christian and they're fighting and they have a gun and it's not pointed at you, it's pointed at the real enemy. The reason why Christians are in each other's throats right now is because we are disobedient with respect to ministry and mission. People who are engaged in ministry and mission do not have time to play around with Christian shibboleths. To make sure that somebody's saying the word just right. Because all that matters, and I'm side by side with you against a common enemy. And our common goal is to deliver souls from death and to disciple hearts. And if you're doing that, you're not going to be messing around with all these peripheral issues that are dividing the church. I think that'll preach. Serve your country by delivering souls, by discipling hearts, and then thirdly, serve your country by defending lives. You would be amazed at how many times Proverbs addresses care for the poor, mercy, and justice. Proverbs 13, 23, the fallow ground of the poor would yield much fruit, but... It is swept away through injustice. 
Chew on that for a while. The fallow ground of the poor would yield much fruit, but it is swept away through injustice. You need to understand that Proverbs is very clear when it comes to mercy and justice. When you read the word poverty, that is someone who is without means because of their own sin and disobedience. When you see the word poverty in Proverbs, it's someone who is without means because of their own sin and rebellion. Whenever you see the word poor, it's because they are poor and lack means through no fault of their own. But they are poor because of injustice. Folks, would you be a little bit more mature and pray that I would as well when it comes to thinking about the poor? It's a whole lot more complicated and a whole lot more nuanced than any of us in this room understand. Proverbs nuances it. There are a lot of people who are poor through no fault of their own, but because of injustice. One of the chivalrous that I've seen the church face over the past couple years is that the left is trying to hijack mercy and justice. And the right, who is so sensitive to mercy and justice being hijacked, begins to get on each other's cases in the church because we're using terminology like mercy and justice. Guess what? Mercy and justice is not the terms of the left. Mercy and justice is the terms of the living God. Micah 6, verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what you must do. Love mercy and do justly and walk humbly with your God. And all through Proverbs, we are called to mercy and justice. It's not the social left. It is the biblical truth. And stop throwing grenades at people. People are calling Tim Keller a communist, a Marxist, because he's talking about mercy and justice. Let me tell you something. If you're in that church, this church and you want to say that about Tim Keller, don't say it near me. The church, disengaged from ministry, says things like that. And Proverbs goes on and on and on. Proverbs 29, verse 7. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Are you righteous or are you wicked? Well, Proverbs gives you a pretty good barometer. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. Do you realize that God, in a sense, doesn't care about your bottom line? Let me explain myself. In the Old Testament, God told Israeli farmers, do not harvest your whole field. Don't do it. I want you to leave the outer parts of your field. I want you to give up your profits. 
I don't care if your maximum efficiency on your harvesting. As a matter of fact, I'm telling you, I don't want you to harvest with maximum efficiency. I want you to leave all the outer portions of the field for the poor. And I want them to glean from your fields. That's the rights of the poor. They had the right to the gleaning. Proverbs 29.7, a righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Proverbs 28, verse 27, whoever gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. That's why many of our United States ministries that we support, our mercy ministries, our justice ministries, empower that helps with medical clinics, job training, GED, tutoring. I said Wellhouse before that helps, uh, helps rescue uh, women from sex trafficking and then shows them mercy and kindness and justice when they've only ever been sold injustice their entire lives. Christian Service Mission and Tracy Hips. Hope Health Clinic that restores health to the underserved. South Park Baptist Church in West End. We've done so much with them. Urban Hope in Fairfield. We minister to the Latino community through Octavio and Rosie Samper at Glacier La Fay. Banks Academy, Restoration Academy, White Swan, where we show mercy and justice to Native Americans who have rarely been shown mercy and justice. Refugees. I don't know. Look, like Michael said last week, I'm not even making a political statement. But, but clearly we are called to show mercy and justice to refugees. Read your Old Testaments. Israel was judged precisely because she did not exercise mercy and justice. She wasn't judged because she didn't get her theology right. Matter of fact, she was judged because she spent too much time worrying about the jots and tittles of what they thought was important theology. And she was judged because she did not show mercy to the poor. And justice to the oppressed. So Proverbs goes on even more. The Lord tears, Proverbs 15, 25. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundary. Proverbs 23, 10. Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless. That's the summary of James 1, 27. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God is this. Caring for widows and orphans. In their distress. You know, this is a key verse. God could have put anything in that verse. Right? Proverbs 1, or James 1, 27. Pure and undefiled religion is this. What would you have put? Or better yet, what does your lifestyle show that you actually do put in that blank? But the Holy Spirit inspired James to say, pure and undefiled religion is this, to care for widows and orphans in their distress. Do not move the ancient landmark or into the hills of the fatherless, verse 11, for their Redeemer is strong and he will plead their cause against you, against me. That's why we have porch light ministry for foster care. Grace House, for girls in the foster care system in particular. Proverbs 24, 11, rescue 
those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Pro-life. Not just anti-abortion pro-life, but pro-life toward all life. But we do support save a life. We do support many uh, pro-life causes. Put the poster back up there again. Uncle Sam, he looks sort of angry. (laughs) Jesus is not angry at all. But with tears streaming down his face, he's saying, I want you so badly to be tools of delivering souls and discipling hearts and defending lives in the United States of America. Will you join me in saving your nation as well as all the nations of the earth? Let's pray. Father, change that poster in our minds so that we don't see uh, some angry, wagging finger. But may we see a pleading father. God, I think of the father and the prodigal sons going out to the older son and pleading with him. God, may that be the picture we have, that you're pleading with us to get engaged in ministry, to give generously to ministry, to be so caught up with the kingdom of God, we don't have time to worry about all these peripheral issues that don't really matter. Now, God, we don't want to compromise. Where your word is clear, we need to follow it. But, Father, where we're allowed differences of opinion, may we not get caught up in shooting each other, but help us deliver souls from death. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Hear the benediction, the promise of God's grace and blessing upon our lives as we leave and serve him and serve our country during this next week and all the coming weeks. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Abba Father and the fellowship and transforming power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Amen.